whole and uh, things that come to mind. Not a whole lot, no. Uh, Polish sausages? No, I don't know anything about that country. <laughs> Pierogies. Is that it? We hope it's not. That's what we're going to try to show you. Welcome to Polcast, Pole and all that jazz. Hello, I'm Małgorzata Bonikowska. And I'm Tomek Kniat. Welcome to the 12th episode of Polcast. In this episode, we'll tell you... Where in Poland you can have a beer in a cellar as old as the medieval crusades. And how history is not just about the past. Remember Ivona Malinowski's School for Adults Who Study Polish? Here is another interesting story. What's your name? Brenda. So you're learning Polish why? Polish background. Yeah, on my father's side of the family, my grandparents and their parents came from southern Poland. They were farmers. Um, they came, I would say, just before World War One. So they settled and they farmed and we had apple orchards, which was amazing. You know, and during the harvest, all the people, all the people would show up, and everything was Polish, Polish, Polish. And I grew up living next door to my my grandparents and my uncle, so it was Polish, Polish food, Polish language. My grandparents spoke only Polish. Well, my grandmother was bilingual, but my grandfather never spoke English at all. Um, his their children would answer in English, and they understood everything in Polish, and they taught us no Polish at all. We didn't, you know, it just sort of stopped at our generation. So I've always been interested. But anyway, is it fun? Don't listen. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It's very challenging. The grammar is definitely difficult. It's definitely difficult. <laughs> but I think it's probably not as difficult as Arabic. On our podcast, you've met Irene Tomaszewski, a Canadian author of Polish origin living in Ottawa, who is the editor-in-chief and co-founder of Cosmopolitan Review, an English-language online quarterly devoted to things Polish. Irene is a historian, and we talk to her about Polish history. Why do you think that things Polish, as you call them, are so rarely uh, presented in mainstream media? Uh, I think there are many reasons for it. Um, I think history has an awful lot to do with it. it. You know, and it's hard actually to deal with young people because if you ask young people, the, most of them will say that they're not interested in history. It's, oh, you know, you're always talking about the past, which is such a simplistic notion because, in fact, history is not about the past. History is today's interpretation of the past. So what people are saying today and who is saying it is really what is... Uh, what is at issue. Some histories are told and some histories are not. Uh, there are great powers and then there are marginal powers and then there are defeated countries. I remember a conversation once with a professor of Scottish history. He used a very nice, um, lovely expression that I'd never heard before or since. He referred to the injured nations, which was a way of referring to to uh, Poland, by no means the only injured nations are. We're talking about the fact that they're, in a way, they're defeated nations. And uh, it takes a while to recover from defeat. When the post-war immigrants came to Canada and the U.S., after what 
they had gone through because of the war itself. And then what they went to when they realized that their allies were not about to treat them as allies in the end, after all, they were silenced. Uh, nobody much talked about PTSD in those days, but uh, these were traumatized people. And then they came to Canada, the U.S., where nobody really wanted to hear about them. Poland was inconvenient. The world moves on. That's what the world does all the time. And great powers certainly move on. It's, well, being a great power means you never have to say you're sorry, so you move on. So, so the history didn't get written, except that it did get written, because there was a Soviet view of history. And that was imposed in Poland. And nobody much argued with it. So when we look at history today, ask the average Canadian about Russia in World War II, and they'll tell you they won the war. And yet, you know, for anybody who knows the subject more intimately, the Soviet Union was never in, in the business of liberation. I mean, they didn't liberate the Euro Europe. They did defeat um, Hitler, but nobody talks about the first 22 months where they... Um, were allied with Hitler. I could say they started the war as much as they finally ended it. So all of this was inconvenient. Nobody wants to hear about it. But I found that with young people, they had rather big identity problems because what they heard at home was never validated with what they heard in the mainstream. I think things are improving, but not necessarily steadily and constantly. You know, Every generation of Poles in the diaspora is completely different. And actually, we're not just talking about the generation gap. We're talking about a generation gap complete with a cultural gap, a historical gap. I can't tell you how many people I met who came here from Poland, say, in the last 30, 40 years, who knew nothing what their fellow nationals went through outside of Poland, because it was not part of the curriculum. Is it important to know your history? You know, people have to decide for themselves. For me, to be ahistorical is to be a very strange thing. Have you lived in Poland ever? Never, no. Listen, I was conceived in Poland. I mean, really. <laughs> <laughs> But still, you know, after so many years of living outside Poland and not even living ever in Poland, you have this great interest and, and some really curious passion for things Polish. My reading is very extensive. I do not read exclusively on Poland by a long shot. First of all, my first introduction to Polish history was just certain, simply life itself. I mean, you'd have to be very an, a very uncurious child not to wonder why the hell you had lived in India, Africa, England, and Canada. I, I was interested in all this from, from day one. Uh, Then later on, when I get a little older, and I did, as I say, I liked history, I liked reading. When I was a teenager, I was looking for a Christmas present for my mother, and I saw books by Churchill. Of course, I knew who Churchill was. He had published his memoir of World War II, and I loved the title. It was Triumph and Tragedy. So I bought that, and then later on, I actually decided to read it. But, you know, again, a teenager, what I did before reading it is that I looked on the index for entries on Poland. And I read those entries. Oh, it was a big hit. It was so painful to read Churchill's memoir and see how shabbily Poland and Poles were treated, the denigration of them in his, in his book. Then I decided at one point to go back to, you know, get a master's in history. And I came face to face with a professor in the class. Class was on World War II. He was a Marxist. He was talking about the Soviet Union. And in all my innocence, I mentioned Stalin's deportations of Poles. 
And he told me that the Soviets never deported anybody. I came face to face with historical denial. I became curious as to, I started looking into that and I found out there was a great deal of it, of the historical denial. I had to not only find out more about what happened, but also about why this happened. After my encounter with the professor who told me I had never, my family had never been deported, when I started looking for sources, and this was in the early 80s, and you know, there was not a single source on it in either the Concordia or the McGill Library in English. There was nothing. It was as though the event had never happened. Is Poland a special country? I think every country is a special country. Yeah, no, but does it have a particularly difficult and complicated history? I think it's a bit complicated, but on the other hand, I can't tell you whether Korean history or Cambodian history is complicated because I don't know enough about it. I do know that sometimes you hear about Poland, you know, as though it was really the most tragic. Well, that's only if you don't know about the other tragedies. Ireland has had a very bitter history. Many, many people have. I don't think it's special. Sometimes Pauls will say to me, it's terrible. I mean, nobody knows about this. And I sort of say, well, can you give me a really good reason why they should? Like, what do Canadians know about Cambodian history? What do they know about, you know, you can almost name any country. And the truth is you don't. History is dominated by the great powers. I live an extremely Canadian life. I have almost no Polish friends whatsoever. So unless you want to call my books my friends. Um, it happens to be my background, so I'm interested in it. I think that what, is, what you see today is directly related to what happened in the past. So I'm interested in today, and therefore I'm also interested in the past. It goes together. The beauty of traveling in Europe is its old architecture. What can be more fun than having a beer or some wine in a restaurant located in a medieval cellar? Well, if you visit one of the most beautiful and old cities in Poland, Wrocław, you will have a chance to visit such a gem. In the main square of the old town, there is a restaurant called Piwnica Świdnicka, which means Świdnicka Cellar which is 750 years old. It is indeed the oldest restaurant still in operation in the whole of Europe. Opened in 1273, the 13th century. Hard to believe. Its successive owners have ensured that it has its unique ambience. The cellar where the restaurant is located is in the basement of the city hall. Its name comes from the kind of famous barley beer served there. Świdnica is a town nearby. Interestingly, back in the 13th century, beer produced outside the town of Wrocław could only be served and consumed in the cellars of the city hall. The Świdnicki beer was the most popular drink in this part of Europe in the 15th century. Wrocław not only served the beer in its cellars, but also stored it and redistributed it to other towns such as Torun and Kraków, from where it traveled to Hungary. However, in the 16th century, this beer was replaced by a new local Wrocław brand called Shops, which means Ram, Baran, still available in the historic restaurant and made exactly the same way as it was made five centuries ago. For centuries, the restaurant kept a guest book, and you can find many well-known names there. Chopin, 
Polish 19th century poet Julius Słowacki, as well as Goethe. Oh, by the way, Wrocław, which we will be talking about a lot more in podcast, is the 2016 Europe's capital city of culture, which of course goes very well with its 13th century cellar restaurant. Friday, June the 17th, was an important day for Polkast. The Polish consulate in Toronto organized a launch reception at which we had a chance to present Polkast to our guests. We talked about how it started and developed, how we produced our episodes, where we get our ideas, how to listen to us, and how to help us to promote Polkast further. There is no launch reception without guests. We were happy to have with us Bonnie Crombie, the extremely popular mayor of Mississauga, a dynamic city neighboring Toronto with three-quarter million inhabitants of whom Poles are an important segment. Bonnie Crombie, who is of Polish descent, is a great supporter of the Polish community and brought us congratulations from the city. We were also very happy to get a congratulatory letter from the Premier of Ontario, Kathleen Wynne. It was great to have a number of our interviewees there whom everybody else could meet in person. We actually presented all our stories and their main characters on a slideshow. Among the guests were the jazz vocalist Ola Turkiewicz, who came from Poland for the event, the Toronto jazz musician Ron Davis, whose discovery of his Polish roots and the famous song about his grandfather's pre-war restaurant made him compose his own three arrangements of the song Bal Nagnojne and release them on an album, and the great duo, violinist Joanna Makowicz and her husband, world-famous jazz pianist virtuoso Adam Makowicz. You will hear some of them in the recording we made of our live podcast at the consulate. We now will be calling upon a special guest of ours. But it's not going to be that easy, Bonnie, because you're going to have to do an interview. Okay, so we just want to know whether after becoming the mayor you feel more Polish or less Polish. How does this Polishness work? I always feel more Polish because now I have the opportunity to represent an even larger Polish community. There's a larger slice of, of uh, Polonia that lives in Mississauga. I had one riding as a federal member, but now I have six. I like to say I traded one for six. And uh, so I get to represent the entire city, which is, of course, the hub of the Polish community in Canada. I may repeat that there are 50,000 Polish residents of Polish descent in Mississauga. And we, of course, have the church, Maximilian Kolb, and the John Paul II Cultural Center. So perhaps I feel even more Polish and embraced, I think, um, uh, with, by Polonia. And I think, I believe, that I am the only uh, mayor of a major city of Polish descent in Canada today. Okay, now, um, and also, Bonnie, we want to know how often do you listen to our podcast? Well... <laughs> As I work 15 hours, seven days a week, right. I, you know what? I'll have to put it on my iP- iPad. Absolutely. Uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll play them in the car as we're driving. I think that's the best nice. time to listen to anything when you're driving in the car with the little ear, earbuds on. And we'll put totally. it on my iPhone or iPad, and there'll right. be an opportunity to, to, to listen to every episode going forward. That's right. And the good thing, you can listen to any podcast while you cook. Well, I, you know, I have to be honest with you. I love to cook. I love to cook Polish food. We did a, a cooking 
cooking show with Ada, uh, and we, I made barsh. You know, I do. I, I do love to entertain. I do love to cook. That's right. So anyway, thank you so much for coming. Oh, my honor, my pleasure always to yes. be with the Polish community and with the both of the two of you. Okay, so Ola, come here. Tell us more about Jingles. So did you say you didn't really like it? Oh, no, no. It's just, it was your idea with Chopin. And uh, when I first heard it, I thought, it's no. impossible. And it's just such an unknown uh, piece of Chopin's music. Like, how can you do anything with it? And the first piece, actually, that I did for, for you guys, you guys said, that's nice. We said it's interesting. You know, when, I, you? You, like, when somebody gives you something to eat and you say, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. You know, yeah. that means you like, really don't like it. Yeah, right? it was that's like... what I always say. It's, it's can you? And they said, can you, like, speed it up a little bit? And I said, like, well, it's not going to sound good at all, faster, right? I kind of, I had to trust Tomek in this, that actually something nice really will come out eventually. And the second one that I did, you guys said, wow, that's what it is. That's what we are looking for. And from then on, it was just one after the other. Then then there were the really short ones, and then there were like phone jingles almost, right? So 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 And it was so much fun to do it, actually. We have the Indian one, the the African one. Yes, which you've heard already. They're really beautiful. Right. Now, anyway, she's coming here again with a whole group of musicians. You talk. Well, yeah, and it's going to be in Brampton uh, Rose, uh, yes, Rose Theatre in September, September 16th. So it would be really, really nice to see you all. It's free. Um, The concert, it's called Polish Independence Concert. Uh, In Polish, it's Concert Niepodległości. Actually, this concert, we, we, we do it uh, for eight years now. And in Poland, it's, uh, it's actually quite successful. Polish um, patriotic songs presented in a very uh, today way, I would say. There's a mixture of styles that we, we arrange these songs in. Uh, in. We arrange them in a jazzy way, in a rock way. And, and actually, some of the tunes are a mixture of different styles. Uh, and what's very important that young people like it. It would be great if uh, if you all could come. Uh, we 17th will be sixteenth of sixteenth, sixteenth yes. of September, and actually Maugosha is gonna be presenting it because besides yeah. the music, we will be saying a lot of stories about Polish history and also the history. It's in English, by the way. It's in Polish and in English. Yes. So those who don't speak Polish, don't worry. Yes, exactly. And there will be also stories that, uh, that will um, that, that talk about our connection with uh, Canadian history. So it's gonna be a fascinating concert uh, in in many ways. So Ola, Ola, when when we were talking about that jingle and when we were so grateful for it, I think you had one request that for all the trouble, we'll make sure you get from us Ron Davis CD. Yes, I had, I, 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 I did request that, <laughs> and I promise that I'll get you one. Oh well. But I, I think you don't want it from me anymore. Well, you know I. I'm, I'm really shy to actually ask and... Run! <laughs> oh. Oh. oh! Actually, I have, I have two of my in front of Oh, thank you so much, Ron. It's <laughs> such a pleasure. <laughs> thank you so much. Anyway, here is our friend, Ron. You can actually listen to this. And Ron is so kind and come here. He's going to play for us. 
his own version of this song. But first, tell us a little bit. Well, the the whole story took up two episodes of uh, Polkat, so I won't go through the whole story. Let, but let me add another Polish connection here. Can I give you a bit more of Polonia? So I, I've, I can't believe I never made this connection. I just made it tonight. My teacher was late great Darwin Aiken, but he traces his roots to one of the greatest pianists in the history of classical piano, Leopold Godowski. Leopold Godowski's son-in-law was my teacher's teacher, and we were raised in the tradition of Leopold Godowski. I'm no Leopold Godowski, but... Um, but There's, there's Polonia everywhere. Totally. <laughs> okay, so enjoy. Please come here and listen. It's beautiful.
last episode we played this sound, wondering if you can guess what it is and where in Poland you can hear it. country with a very clear layout. The Baltic Sea in the north, further south the lakes, and then in the very south, the Tatra Mountains, part of the larger range of the Carpathians. They are truly spectacular, and of course, the region has its unique Highlanders culture, complete with its language, amazing music, food, clothes, and traditions. Part of that tradition is what you heard, the sheep, which were raised in the Tatra Mountains as far back as the 15th and the 16th centuries. They are a real asset to the Highlanders. They give wool for their beautiful sweaters and other garments and milk for their special cheese. In the past, each ship owner wanted to send his ship to the mountain pasture for the summer season. It would entail leaving the household for several months, which was impossible. Therefore, the function of Batsa, the main shepherd, was established, a man to whom farmers entrusted their flock for summertime grazing. Batsa chose his helpers younger shepherds, and set off to mountain pastures owned by the village. The walk they made to the pastures, called Redik, could last even several days. Once they reached their destination, the shepherds lived in a wooden hut called Batsufka. Their job was to protect the sheep from predators, or from getting lost, and manufacture products from sheep milk. The best known are three types of cheese, Oscipek, Buns, and Brinza. In the fall, the sheep needed to return to their farms, and the fall redik started. It was a very solemn event, accompanied by singing and music. Of course, shepherds would not be able to manage their sheep without shepherd dogs. You can hear them barking in the recording as well. Those are Polish Tatra sheep dogs, beautiful, large, white dogs, popular among mountain workers for several centuries. Centuries ago, as their reputation as excellent sheepdogs became known, that breed spread slowly across Europe. And in 1980, an American Foreign Service officer loved these dogs so much that he had three of them shipped to America. And by 1981, Polish mountain sheepdogs appeared in Canada. It's time for our next sound from Poland. Here it is. Listen, think, guess. Where do you need to be in Poland in order to hear this sound? And what is it? You've been listening to the 12th episode of Polcast. Polcast is created, recorded and produced in Toronto by Małgorzata Bonikowska and Tomek Kniat. For full-length interviews, visuals, and a lot of additional information, please visit our website at mypolcast.com. In the next episode, we will tell you 
how a passion for Polish food has turned into a successful business for a Polish-American couple. How an immigrant from Poland built a cosmetics empire in the United States. How a 92-year-old, young at heart, Polish-American, traveled the world and created an amazing art oasis in Montana. And we leave you with the live recording of Adam Makowicz at Polish Consulate in Toronto.